Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined again by ESPN.com's Ben Gessling and Judd Zolgad from 1500 ESPN's Mackey and Judd Morning Show. Gentlemen, how'd you enjoy the circus? Ben? Uh, by the circus, you mean the draft? Uh, yeah, I meant the thing that started with a national anthem, ended with mascots ziplining <laughs> down to make picks. Uh, also included Kevin Falk wearing a Tom Brady jersey saying the New England Patriots and Tom Brady select... Uh, also, Laramie Tunsil and the gas, gas, bong, gas mask there. bong thing. Yeah, no, I meant the circus. And Roger Goodell saying that this is what makes the draft exciting. <laughs> oh, boy. The people falling in the draft is what makes the draft exciting. And the union, yeah, unions loved for Roger Goodell. What was that? Shot yeah. through the roof. Roger Goodell the, is not <laughs> your coat, family. The coat that Roger was wearing by uh, day three of the draft yesterday. That oh, was his man of the people coat. Yeah, that's the I'm one of you quote. Never it, mind quotes, what I make. I'm 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 just like another hardworking Chicagoan. I don't mind being booed. Bring it on. I'm like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just saw that thing and I said, Football is that is a family. coat or a bulletproof vest? I couldn't figure it out. I thought it was Kevlar too, actually. That's that was what, what I said like. at first. I thought, man, this guy's taking his job pretty but seriously. But it looked like such common Kevlar. It, it was it was so... <laughs> he looked like a beat cop. He was so relatable. Yeah, he's it. not a detective. He's, he's a beat cop. He's just he's a, a nine-to-five ham yeah. and egger like the rest exactly of them. He just right. started a new fashion trend of fashionable uh, bulletproof vests. Is that what you're getting at? Fashionable Kevlar? Fashionable, yet relatable. Yet relatable. I like yeah. that. I like I'm that. Presidential candidates are going to start sporting that. Something that Roger Goodell started. All right. Let's get into three storylines for the Vikings. They make eight picks for the first six coming on offense. Well, Roger um, Goodell runs for president. Maybe he can wear that on the campaign trail. Yeah, that's true. The way we're headed. That's true. Why not? Should we keep talking about Roger Goodell? People right. can can decide for themselves whether it was worth the interruption. 
People want us to talk more purple is what they want us to they do. They do. So maybe they can leave a review and rip me, and then we can play the review game again. Boom. Go I to like iTunes, that. leave that us a review fun. at the Purple Podcast uh, on iTunes. Google that. You'll find it. Uh, and then leave us a review. Plug. Shameless. Three storylines from the Vikings draft. Let's get into that. I want to ask each of you. Uh, I'll give my own three storylines that I found to be uh, at least ones that aren't so obvious, uh, kind of under the radar of what this draft tells us. For the first six picks going on offense, Obviously, that shows a shift to you know improve the pieces around Teddy Bridgewater. After the first two drafts, saw so much add to Mike Zimmer and his defense, give him the weapons to work with. Uh, but let's keep this in perspective for me, anyway. the the only The only guy in this draft that's expected or needs to contribute immediately is Laquan Treadwell, their number one pick, twenty third overall. He's the guy that they needed. It was the biggest need by far. Basically, replaces Mike Wallace uh, in snap counts, assumedly, and also when it comes to uh, his number being number eleven. To me, this was more about depth right i mean to me this yeah. was this is more about adding guys who can who maybe eventually contribute um but the number one guy laquan treadwell is the only one i think is going to be that guy that is expected to change things right away uh the other storylines for me this is going to be a fun one for uh, ben i brought this up to you while we were watching the draft uh two slot cornerbacks who are pretty outspoken it seems at least our first impressions of mckenzie alexander their second round pick saying that he reminds himself of darrell Rivas and jason verrett and he's full <laughs> of confidence just brimming with it and he's going to compete with captain marlin who is full of the exact same confidence so that's going to be fun for them to compete probably for that slot position to me you don't spend ben a second round corner a second round pick excuse me on a corner unless you expect him to take over that spot down the road right yeah, I would think so. I mean, you also probably don't spend the 11th overall pick on a guy that you don't play the first year very much. But in the future, they expect him to contribute too. And yes, I think Mackenzie Alexander, you're looking at it and saying, Captain Munnell is making $4 million this year. He's going to be a free agent. There's probably a cheaper way to staff that position than bringing him back at probably a higher price than that. Yeah, and you play him 60% of the snaps. While it's an important role, like you said, $4 million, I mean, is that what you want to pay? And does Captain want to be a 100% guy playing on the field all the time? He probably. probably does, yeah. Exactly. So they kind of maybe have that contingency plan in place moving forward, but that competition this summer should be intriguing. And number three to me, they're cool with their defensive line and safety positions, clearly. The two spots that I thought they might look to at least bolster early on in the draft, they addressed in the seventh round with an edge rusher and Stephen Weatherly and a safety and J. Ron Curse. Uh, they're fine with those positions. Uh, I don't see them fretting the fact that Andrew Sandejo might start another 16 games. Joe, what do you got? All right, my uh, my top storyline is the same as yours. Uh, the take a little bit different, and it's this. The Vikings finally realized that when it comes to offense, it helps to get players who can work well together. By that, I mean Mike Wallace is the poster child for why everyone should stop getting excited about receivers who can have big speed, potentially, and run the nine route and get hit downfield. Because if the quarterback can't hit that player, that player doesn't matter. I mean, everything. Think about how many pieces of the puzzle to the Vikings offense in 2015 simply didn't fit. Poorly planned. Taken one by one individually, a lot of those players are good. Put together, they weren't so good. So while the offensive line had had to be upgraded and was a disappointment last year, the fact that Peterson and Bridgewater didn't work well together was a problem that should have been addressed last offseason and was not, and hopefully for their sake it's being addressed now. But say what you will about Treadwell's speed and the deficiencies he might have, on paper he is a much better piece to the Bridgewater puzzle than Mike Wallace was or a speedy receiver. So I like the pick based on the fact that I think that they got immediate help and they're giving themselves a chance by getting a player who should work well with the quarterback. A guy that can make contested grabs, exactly. fight for the football. This is going to give Bridgewater a chance to succeed. If you give Bridgewater the fastest guy on the face of the earth, 
and he can't get the ball to him, it's not going to work. So I, I like the fact that they seem to have addressed a piece to the puzzle here that should work. We'll see. Uh, my second one is the same as yours in, in the fact that t- they took a cornerback. The interesting thing about Alexander to me, and I guess if he plays the slot, it's not as big a deal, is his size. He's, what, five foot ten. Yep, I mean, I'm a big fan of bigger cornerbacks. Uh, but if we're going to talk about a guy who's, who's going to play inside, I think it becomes not as big of a deal. Uh, nonetheless, I do see this as a clear succession plan to captain. This kid's going to come in. He's going to le- learn the ropes. And quite frankly, you know, if we're halfway through next season and they, they make a change there, I'm not going to be shocked by it. I could see captain playing the whole season too. But I'm just saying I could see, I could see a succession plan here that if it works out, Alexander at some point in time here sooner rather than later, excuse me, is going to take over that position. Yeah, and Alexander, the book on him is that he's a pretty good man cover guy. And captain, while he's a great run defender, maybe isn't the best cover guy in that slot spots. Maybe I think that's where they see the upgrade potentially. And finally, my third thing has nothing to do with this draft. It has to do with last year's draft, and it's to Ben's point. Trey Waynes. I mean, we could sit here all we want today, a day after the draft, and grade the drafts. Let's go through the drafts. Who did well? Who hit a home run? Who didn't? And the fact is we don't know crap, and we probably won't know crap for three to five years overall. I mean, we can talk about uh, first-round picks, immediate needs, and that's fine. But as far as trying to grade a draft, it's impossible. What we can do, though, is start to look at last year's draft and say, all right, as Ben brought up, you took a guy with the 11th pick overall who we thought might uh, might come in and start, and we certainly thought that he might be starting halfway through last year. And he was given some opportunities and wasn't awful, I didn't think. Uh, but nonetheless, the third point to me is Trey Wayne's opening day of training camp in Mankato, it's time to prove it. And, yeah. and if you don't have – if opening day of the season, you don't have Rhodes and Waynes on the field together, to me, at that point, it's a disappointment. Well, my first one I think is the same one as most of ours, and, and Laquan Treadwell being a guy that seems to fit this offense well. I mean, you can sort of sit there, and, and I did this when I was doing our mock draft last week. I had the pick between Treadwell and, and Josh Doxson, and I thought – Treadwell fit their offense better and now they they sort of triangulated on whether Treadwell or Doxon was their top receiver and even Rick Spielman did it last night they wouldn't say I don't I think if if Treadwell was definitively the guy at the top of the board they would have said that the fact that they sort of danced around that question Mm -hmm. makes you wonder was it something where Doxon was slightly ahead of him or it was a situation where they liked both of those guys. Those are the two guys they spent the most time with. They obviously were comfortable enough with where they were to not trade up when they saw that Washington was probably going to take Doxon, or at least to prevent that possibility. If they liked Doxon that much better than Treadwell, they could have traded up to, to make sure they got him. The fact that they didn't, I thought, tells you that, I mean, kind of like you guys are saying, for all of the talk about we need a guy that can go over the top and get the ball, no. You need a guy that Teddy Bridgewater trusts that he can say, okay, even if I don't love throwing these balls into tight coverage, even if I'm sort of apprehensive about doing that, if I'm trying to be too perfect with it, I can trust that this guy will go get the ball. And I can throw him the ball in tight spaces. I can throw him the ball when he's got a body, a a cornerback, and box the guy out and go get it, and everything will be fine. That's number one. Number two to me is you again see the Vikings draft strategy playing out as clearly as anything I've seen in in the time I've, been around this team and and that's Mike Zimmer tells Rick Spielman what he wants and Rick Spielman goes and gets it and I think that's probably the right way to build a team but you see that across the board Mackenzie Alexander 
yeah, he's on the shorter side, but if he's a slot corner, he's fine. And what did you hear Rick Spielman say about him? He What he does really well is don't let your guy catch the ball. That is the thing that Mike Zimmer preaches to his corners above everything else. It's not about interceptions as much as it's about being able to deny your guy from getting the ball. And Mackenzie Alexander, by all the metrics, does that as well as anybody in college. I'm sure that's what drew them to him. The fact that he can he can pattern match and do some of those things I, I think was intriguing as well. Guys like Steven Weatherly, those are the types of pass rushers they've been collecting. These guys that can sort of be the freaky 4-3, 3-4 hybrids that they can play on the defensive line. Though That's Daniil Hunter. That's Everson Griffin. That's Anthony Barr. They're, they want to get those guys, and then they go see if their coaches can make it work. So these body types are, are what they like to collect. Then they take a flyer on a 6-4 safety in the seventh round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some of those things are, are guys that you say, okay, there's potential here. He's not a finished product, but we like our coaching staff, and we're gonna let we're gonna roll with it. The other thing, the trade, the the trade to get out of the third round, and and Rick Spielman talked about this and said we think those picks. He basically said that we think the picks are going to be more valuable to us next year than they are this year. That can mean two things. Next year, maybe they think is the year that they're ready to go for it, possibly. But I think it's more about they know how many free agents they're going to have, and they know how hard this roster is going to be to make. They've added some veterans, which is something they typically don't do, and now they're probably sitting there looking at it saying, boy, we don't need 10 picks this year because we're going to end up having to cut three or four of them because our roster is deep enough, barring any injuries and and barring anybody playing worse than you expected, that we don't need all these draft picks. And that's a different way of doing it than the Vikings have done in the past. It reflects where they think they are in their development, and if it works, it's a good sign because it means that you feel like you've got the nucleus to go out and win now. So I, I thought that was a very interesting admission from Rick Spielman in a weekend where I thought he was actually probably more candid after they made their picks than, than he is a lot of times. And I, I think that's certainly a thing to keep watching how they feel about this roster because that trade is, is not necessarily in their wheelhouse, but it, it tells you that they think they're ready to go for it now. Well, especially Laquan Treadwell, too, when you talk about Spielman being candid, after they make that pick, he basically just says, look, and this is a year after he says we needed to bring in some speed, a vertical threat for Mike Wallace. We needed to add that dimension to our offense. He says, look, if we wanted to get all 4-2-4-3 guys, we'd go scout the Olympic track team. Yeah. And that's just a, more of an admission where, look, their, their aim that they have now for this offense, as Judd mentioned, has changed. They are no longer now trying to fit those you know square pegs in a round hole. They, they now realize what they want. And Ben, you brought up a good point, too, I thought about the coaching staff and him listening to him. I think that extends even beyond Mike Zimmer. They brought up Pat Shermer and Tony Sperano's name multiple times yeah, throughout this weekend. They did a great job. They, yeah. they did a fantastic job by the these position coaches did a really great job of shaping our overall draft strategy, <laughs> but they're just position coaches. <laughs> And he brings it up with Willie Beavers, the fourth-round offensive lineman, who he says, look, Tony Sperano had this criteria for him, and he fits that Ability criteria. Ability to dent people. Ability to dent people when he hits them. Is and that, that the line? That, that was, was what Tony what Sperano said. told Rick Spielman I want that to ability. get in an offensive line. I want to dent people. That sounds like fun. No, if we dent people, we go to prison. Oh, okay, good point. Okay, now I don't want to dent people anymore. You, you can verbally dent people, Judd. That's true. Yeah, I don't think we do that enough. Um, now, with with the coaching staff, I think that's clear. They they clearly listen to them. Um, now, guys, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk about who was put on notice on the current roster. We talked about Captain Munnellin. North Turner. That's the number one on the roster. Who's going to be putting on pads? Norv's on the coaching staff, and clearly he wasn't thanked very much. <laughs> that's true. Actually, I don't think we heard his name. Well, don't you remember the whole thing last year, boys? Mike Wallace? 
Norv, they talked about Norv all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is gonna this is gonna fit what Norv likes to do. This is gonna fit. And this year it's uh, we would just like to thank the the, the entire Shermer family for all they've done for our team. Norv well, Turner, you're on notice. I guess the one caveat there is that there was sort of this narrative of Laquan Treadwell, and I almost I almost I almost, almost did that he again. Did it. It's gonna be tough. Um, Twedwell. Twedwell. Yeah, we'll be As I said on Tuesday night Bruce and Rick Spielman said Thursday night. In great shape. <laughs> Mr. Treadwell, um, <laughs> as Rick Spielman, Mr. Tweadwell, as Mr. Sp- as Mr. Spielman said, Mike Zimmer alluded to it that he runs a lot of the routes that they run. And when I asked about the comparisons to Michael Irvin, he said, "Yeah, that's it's premature." But you do sort of see that in the sense that this guy does some of those things that you remember Michael Irvin doing. He runs some of those routes. He approaches corners the same way, and. That does reflect a little bit of North Turner in there, but yes, that is you didn't hear a lot of North Turner other than that sort of vague association with him. So, Judd, who was put on notice? Oh, I mean, the obvious one, without a doubt, is Cordero, right? I mean, he comes Charles he come, Johnson. Charles jo- yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but I think, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. The, the first thing that come, came to my mind with the pick of LT, as I like to call him. Uh, is that <laughs> yeah just go ahead and avoid saying it lt is l i mean rlt that's what we'll call it <laughs> his addition the first thing i thought of uh, and i think the answer is yes but my very first thought was does patterson make the team now which i think he does but i guess i wasn't thinking so much as charles johnson in trouble he could be but cordero patterson you know with his size and, and now he's faster but sort of some of the things he was supposed to provide at some point in time for teddy I think are things now Treadwell is going uh, going to provide. And Patterson's, I guess, flat-out greatest asset, which might be his speed, come to find out might be the most useless thing as far as the traditional offense when they run it. I'm not saying that you can't. It's not going to come in handy on kick returns. I'm not saying that once in a while, if you get them on the field and come up with a gimmick play, that's not great. But if the hope was ever... Cordero's going to run that deep route and get hit and get you know get downfield and he's going to run it perfectly, which he's not. And Teddy's going to hit him. That this is going to be a big hit play type of deal. I'm not sure that's there. So Cordero is the one that just instantly came to mind for me as far as potentially being in trouble. Well, and Cordero essentially has been on notice for two years, right? I mean, they've been they've right. been telling him like you need to do this or it's not going to happen. And tomorrow, I would assume that they're going to put their money or lack of money, I guess, where their mouth is and not pick up his fifth-year option. That'll be the last notice. His mailbox is actually full of these notices. Yeah. And that will be the last one, kind of the eviction notice that's placed yeah, on I mean, there should be enough <laughs> it's for a mailbox him to look with at. Like letters <laughs> pouring He's out of it. living at other it, people's homes it's for, open. for years. They're like, where's the forwarding <laughs> address for this damn Cordero Patterson? He moved. Oh, no, but that's a yeah, you're right. I don't point. expect them, and nobody does pick up his fifth-year yeah, option. Yeah, I mean, it, they... There have been enough hints for him that this one should not be the one that makes him sit up and say, "Oh boy, they're they're planning a future without me." Like, dude, they've been working towards this for a while. You're at least, at least in the year. offense, yeah, yeah. the special teams is a different story. But they've been going this way for a while, and if you haven't picked up on it by now, and I guess we've seen some hints that maybe he has. I mean, some of the things he told us about working with a route running coach maybe is. Some hint that the light is going on, but you can he's see been on notice for a while. You can see he's been a lot more uh, vocal in his social media presence about how he's improving and all these yep. things. He does seem yep. to at least have a, a light flickering in terms of I need to improve on these areas. But 
Um, I think when you draft a first-round receiver, you just say, okay, Cordero, whatever you give us is going to be absolute gravy because we are not going to count on you in any sense of the word. Yeah. Um, unless, uh, like you said, Judd, I expect him to be on the team in 2016 and be uh, still the kick returner. Um, but outside of that, Judd, I, I think you're right. Cordero's a guy who not only has been put on notice for a while, but now this might have been one of the last nails. And how long, too, boys, has he been trying to claim that this is the offseason, I'm going to get it? This is the offseason. I'm going to do more work. This will be the this second is, consecutive. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. until we until he arrives in Mankato and we see practices where where you see him run routes and they're actual real routes, I'm not going to believe one thing. There's and I don't no, think the coaching staff to is either. Yeah. And there's nothing. There's nothing he can tell us that we are going to say. Oh, okay. I'm I'm buying it now. No way. Yeah. And even especially if we're skeptical, the coaching staff's going to be even more skeptical. I think they're going to say, oh, "All right, great. Let's see you do it on the field and let's see what all that work." Got for you. I will say this. If they're going to keep him around, I would advocate putting in a couple plays for him. Yeah. Though. I mean, there's no reason not to go back and look at what they tried to do in Les's last year here and see if there's a couple gimmick plays that you can use. I mean, let's say you'd use them four times in the entire season. At least that's an improvement on his use because right now, as far as an offensive player, he is pretty useless. How about Brandon Fusco? That's a good one. Uh, and especially yeah. now with the news that Willie Beavers is going to shift inside. The tackle is going to shift inside to guard as, as Ben sophomorically laughs. Um, you know how As many... we all sophomorically laughed. Um, this poor kid had to grow up with his name. Billy Beaver. <laughs> yeah. Billy Beavers. I feel bad for him. I mean, that pick and then the guy that Chicago picked a couple picks later basically sent NFL Network to break yesterday because they were laughing so hard. And right to Deadspin, actually. Too. That they... <laughs> couldn't get through it so they had to go take a break and they come out of it rich eisen comes back and says all right we've got it together now but if the next pick's last name is johnson i quit <laughs> oh god back to mr fusco. working blue on the purple podcast <laughs> yep. exactly back right. to mr fusco I, I think with brandon he was put on notice right away anyway when they bring alex boone in to take the spot that brandon could not fill at left guard you shift Brandon over. They re-sign their right guard from last year anyway, and Mike Harris, and tell him to compete. And now they draft a fourth-round guy who they're going to put at guard. So, uh, to me, Brandon was a guy they had high hopes for when they extended him a couple years ago. Uh, he had his worst season as a pro, in my assumption, last year. For the three years I've watched him, I didn't watch him the first year he started. And I think he's a guy that now they are not necessarily counting on when they once were. Yeah, I, I think we're getting to that point with him. I mean, contractually, he's still got enough left in there that you sort of think – okay, he's going to be around, but yeah, I mean, they're getting to a point now where I think they're hoping it works out if he's at right guard, but if not, we have options to move on from you, and that that's the story across the offensive line is that nobody is on scholarship anymore. Nobody has anything guaranteed to them, probably other than Alex Boone, who comes in with a blank slate, at least in Minnesota. Matt Khalil has $11 million guaranteed. Matt Khalil has $11 million guaranteed for this year. And no real competition, right? Well, but there isn't going to be when you pay him eleven million dollars right, to that's prove what I'm that. I'm talking over the the long term. Nobody should be buying any green bananas, so to speak, in Minnesota. I mean, you, he's going to be here longer than a green banana, but nobody should be figuring that they're going to be able to. Okay, I'm going to build my mansion and I'm going to be here for years. Why would you build a mansion in Minnesota anyway? How about you, you Dale get my bread? How about can can I get some Mike Wallace? Dale Mike bread Wallace was only renting last year too. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. I asked him. Oh, he said he's building a house. I said where? I said in Minnesota. And he looked at me like, "Are you nuts? Yeah, of course not. That's Greg Jennings, right? 
please, Rick, give me a job. I, my wife I decided she liked it here, oh, so I moved right. here. Greg so I moved here and here. I built a house here. Can I please have a job? Uh, no, Greg, you can't. And you know what? You weren't that good. Ben, who on <laughs> you has been put on notice? Well, o- I mean, outside of the guys we've obviously mentioned, I guess the other guy that you would sort of look at and and say that maybe they've been put on notice is, um, I mean, in some of the corners, I think in some ways, I mean, well, Captain sort of has been right. Captain, yes, yeah, we but bring up Captain Patterson, but I mean, uh, Trey Wayne's to some degree because now you've invested another pick, a second round pick. I mean, yes, this guy might be a slot corner, but. Mike Zimmer did say that this guy meets his minimum threshold. And Terrence Newman, I think, is only 5'10", 5'11". He's Absolutely. not a big corner. I mean, yes, you want big corners. But I think there's a willingness to start guys that can get the job done. I don't think Mike Zimmer is looking at Mackenzie Alexander and saying, I, I can't play him anywhere other than slot because he's too short. I mean, and Rick Spielman said it over the weekend how much Mike Zimmer loves this guy. I thought it was very interesting at the end of last season. I, I think I've mentioned it before. I asked Mike Zimmer, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing if Trey Wayne's got a year to sit, right? And, and Zimmer says, yeah, it's not a bad thing if a guy is talented and wants to work hard. And he goes, he's certainly talented. So so what, what's your guys uh, being around the team as, as much as you are? What's your honest assessment of what they think of Wayne's? I think they still feel like there is potential there. I, I think they feel like this guy can be a really good corner, but we've seen it. Mike Zimmer is not terribly forgiving with his corners. He's got a way that he wants things to be done, and he's not going to settle for less than that. And I think he tends to be harder on his corners because of that. And We saw it with Xavier Rhodes, I think, to a point where he had to realize that he had to coach Rhodes a little bit differently because he was coaching him so hard that the Rhodes, I don't think, always responded to that. I think there's probably a process like that going with Trey Waynes. I will be very interested to watch him in a couple of weeks at OTAs. I'll probably have a close eye on him, just seeing how they're handling him, what they're doing with him, because you need to see it here pretty soon. And, and I mean, Yes, Mackenzie Alexander is here in part because he can be a slot corner, but I'm not sure you invest a second-round pick in a guy that you don't think could end up outside at some point. Yeah, and he's played both at Clemson. Uh, that's why they liked him so much in Mackenzie Alexander. I think he brought up a good point, too, and, and Mike Zimmer being tough on his corners. And I don't think that's just Zimmer either. I think Jerry Gray, he's the guy that strapped boxing gloves on Xavier Rhodes' yeah. hands in, in the middle of his third year, or four weeks into his third year, uh, after he struggled mightily to open the season. So these these are guys who uh, they really prioritize the coverage skills while being aggressive, while towing that difficult line of NFL penalty uh, and physicality. So uh, I think Trey Waynes is a really good one. Two guys that were put on notice really before, but now it's kind of complete. Phil Lodeholt with Andre Smith being brought in free agency, and now Rhett Ellison, I think, with David Morgan coming in. Even though he's only a six-round pick, they stand up there and say he, we felt he was the best run-blocking tight end in college football, and that's exactly what Rhett Ellison did for them. And now, obviously, Rhett is coming off that torn patellar tendon that he suffered in January in Green Bay. Um, <clears throat> should we talk about Mr. Mankato? Controversy. I love to talk about already swirling around one of the most prestigious awards in the Twin Cities. Did uh, did Stefan Diggs ever get his gift package? By the way, uh, no, it hasn't happened yet. Okay, We're no, remember it happens the year after, doesn't it? Because Thielen yeah. got his last year. Thielen, Thielen, Thielen his Thielen back. Did. No, he didn't. He left it in the room. <laughs> yeah, he didn't take it. We're very. The committee was very hurt. There was a lot of a lot of people were very upset. Maybe, maybe back we need to like room. get a sponsor for this thing so we can get a better prize. Although, I mean, it should have a bit of a, 
an ironic feel to it. It was it a anyway, styrofoam but... cooler for yeah. one. With yeah, Funyuns. Mackie brought, bought it. Yeah, it, it wasn't a bunch of really good stuff. Let's just put it. No, that it way. was. It doesn't need to be good stuff. But it was but... a thought that counts. But he he left the thought in the media room. Yeah, he didn't. Take it. What was and the thought? He, didn't, he actually didn't like the thought. The thought was we were trying to give a guy a reward for having such a great training camp. But anyway, what is the what's the latest controversy that emerged now on Saturday night about uh, about an award that we are still a few months away from even worrying about? This is actually an ongoing. Well, actually, it's not a few months from worrying about because we make our picks, Judd, next month. So we we are we going make to them in we make our picks June? in OTAs before training. We make them well before training camp. We started making our picks in OTAs because somebody two years ago. During OTAs, possibly even during rookie camp, said, "You know what? Adam Thielen's the guy. He's Mr. Mankato." Yeah, I don't know who that was, but I don't no, either. With but Mr. Man, Mankato, that guy <laughs> nailed it right between the eyes. With Mr. Mankato, the award not. I think brought, he got Stephon Diggs right last year too. Not man, if I could find you. that man, I'd shake his hand. Is he done? Not brought to you by Ben. Gessling. I didn't. I didn't say my name at all. Is it me? Yourself? Oh well. I'm, I'm flattered, Judd. Now, now that you mentioned it, maybe I did. And iTunes reviewers say lines. I'm the arrogant one. Do they really? <laughs> no, that was the one. Right, yeah, never mind. Well, the the frat boy? Yes, the, frat, the frat boy arrogant. Yeah, you are wearing Derek, board shorts Derek today. doesn't know do well, football. I, my closet's full of them. I'm from out west, man. Come on. Um, anyway. Yes. Mr. Mankato, the embattled rules. These have long been embattled by people outside the committee who are, again, outside the committee. Yeah, so they who both, think both that right. our rules, which are day three qualifications, day three meaning round four, round five, six, seven, yep. or undrafted free agents or future contracts, those are the guys that are eligible. There is a movement from people outside the committee who feel like we should not include drafted people, no, period. Not Any draft picks. No, no. I, yeah, Day three people like are very much in the mix. It can't. We're not going to make it all uh, undrafted guys. Well, and here's the other no, thing. It's got to be draft picks. If too. I were to make one alteration, fourth-round picks, that, that feels a little rich to me. But at the same time, we will so see through in this. Why is it not fifth round? Oh, it's because you picked Stefan Diggs, who made it in no, the fifth, fifth round last round year. Is still, it's okay. in the middle if of the Diggs draft. If Diggs were a fourth round pick, you All would right, have no fighting calls. voice. It I wouldn't matter. have picked him if he was a fourth round matter. pick. It doesn't matter because no one's going to pick Willie Beavers, and he's their fourth round pick. No one's going to pick an offensive. No line. one's going yeah, to pick yeah. Willie Beavers for Mr. Mankato, so it doesn't matter. Well, I think everybody's going to have the same pick for Mr. Mankato, at least at this point. Moritz Boringer? Yes. Oh, with, Boringer? Sorry. Yeah, whatever the, you say. By the way, are we ever going to... Well, I shouldn't say That's going to get... Because we've had a ton of Very hype precious about in the next week here. But we the, made it 28 minutes into a podcast without mentioning but it. But the so hype... That's a, that's a win. I know, but but you on on Corzo's show on Sunday went on with Corzo, and Corzo talked about this guy like they had just drafted a bleeping, you know, the greatest receiver of all time. So the It's going to get awfully precious. Yes. So the deal with this kid is he's eligible for, for Mr. Mankato. He might have a nice training camp. He is going to be cut. He is going to get through waivers. He is going to be re-signed to the practice squad. And by next November, we're not going to talk about him for a while. So Yeah, that's But he's very true. much eligible for Mr. Mankato. I really hope he joins the WWE with Babatunde Ayagbusi, the last international player they took. Well, and the, other, the thing we should say here, too, is that this committee does not bend to the whims of people outside of it. Yes, people may have their opinions. But and yes, we may disagree, which we are we are treating the public to a little bit of a an on air meeting in terms of what we're gonna do with it, but the decision will ultimately be made by this committee. It will not be made by people outside that are trying to insert themselves into the process despite having no real authority. And Ben, I will say your Mr. Mankato muscle is your strongest muscle. Well, you know, I, I hate to 
I hate to focus too much on Mr. Mankato and, <laughs> and my I have had some success picking the winner of the award the last two years. Somebody did call me the Mr. Mankato Whisperer at so who's last your pick? summer. Were you looking in a mirror when you? Who's your I, early I don't make my now. pick until. Well, no, but I'm saying who's your early. I, didn't I just do this towards, on Sports Over Beers a couple weeks ago? Are you? I'm sure you did. I didn't. I said I think I had Anthony Harris and Zach Karen. Okay, all right. that was before. Wait, you made it before the draft. Wetmore, we have a UDFA crop too that's going to come in. Yes, Wetmore know. said I'm going to make you make an early pick, and I'm not. It's not a binding pick, but if you happen to get it right before the draft, before undrafted free agents, I will bow to you. Oh, as, he is such a shill because he, he would just say Ben made it on the Sports Over Beers podcast, so we can pump the Sports Over Beers podcast. That is exactly. Well, what if it's you for. guys want to start a bidding more for my he, services, oh, such then, a shill. Yeah, that's such a shill. that's Wetmore. That's why he's not well liked. <laughs> That's why I use this Highway 100 instead of 35W, if I recall. Man, suburban hate. Going to Southdale. Suburb, suburban hate. All right. Well, I'm not going to make us make any picks right now because we still have to see the undrafted free agents who will be finalized on Monday, and you'll be able to find the full list at 1500ESPN.com. Apparently, it might include quarterback Joel Stave, Wisconsin yeah, Badgers. I saw that last night. Mm-hmm. That... Is Stave the guy that had the yips, the throwing yips, a couple of years ago? Well, he went to Wisconsin. Outside yeah, of the one year of Russell Wilson. Minnesota yeah. Gophers quarterbacking history is without yeah, blemish. I'm a Gopher alum, I know. Yeah, yeah we can we can Mitch slide here behind Mitch Leidner for next year. And say, hey, hey, we got our guy. Everybody else has there's got a problems. Fake, there's some fake draftnik who thinks uh, uh, Leidner's going to be the next Carson Wentz. No, saw please, that one come out on. there. I love I love hot takes this time. Oh here. boy, that is a very I have hot absolutely take. no response to that whatsoever. Uh, yeah, Stave had, if I'm not mistaken, the passing yips two years ago, and then and was a mess, and so they took him out, put him back in. I thought if the Badgers and he recovered had to a, beat the Gophers in the Big a, Ten West title game, a QB basically. that that couldn't couldn't really throw, the Packers were supposed to sign him though. <laughs> Scott Tolsey. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, and may, maybe we're taking this a step further. We we take. Oh, Ex-Packers before oh, we got them. they go oh, that's what Ted's to the Packers. Very upset right now with Rick. It's an end around <laughs> on the usual strategy. Uh, we get them early. All right, Kramer, we done here? We can be done here. I mean, if you got something else to throw in, if you want to talk about the German wide receiver, I'm more than happy to. I mean, we'll, we'll talk enough about him over the next few months, I feel like. Yeah. Moritz Boringer was just a guy they had to use a six-round pick on. They thought they were going to get him as an undrafted free agent, but he ended up taking a bunch of visits, and they didn't want to risk missing him. Over Corzo under. loves him because he's, what was it, 4-4-3 oh, four, yeah, four, four, yeah. on a 6-4 guy? Yes, that's rare. that's a rare combination, but keep in mind, this guy's playbook in Germany was 80 plays. They might run 150 on a game on Sunday. I mean, that's not run, but have, you know, in, in tow. So my point is, like, this right. guy's got a long way to go. Like, he's, he's, well, not, yeah, of course just, he does. he's not just going to jump in here and all of a sudden be able to run a route against Xavier Rose. He did leave to the best line of draft night from Rick Spielman though when he's talking about how he catches he runs and then he runs around all the guys on the German YouTube oh that's right because he well somebody asked him what are you what was your experience scouting or film yeah. work or something and and basically all they could do was look at his YouTube clips yep uh, he'll be an interesting story so when Rick forward. started talking about the German YouTube I thought that was German was quite YouTube. it's like I think it's the same YouTube it's worldwide. It sounds like it's a uh, like a porn or something. <laughs> I was on the German YouTube last night. They got stuff no, that on the American actually, YouTube is totally illegal. <laughs> that's actually where Kurt. That's where Kurt Rambis goes to uh, get all his news. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's isn't wasn't no. 
Yeah, New Kurt York Ram- Knicks. Yeah, he got busted yes, for got favoring busted porn the, sites on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, and then oh. said it wasn't me. And then said he got hacked. Yeah, because everyone oh, gets hacked. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that came yes, up the other day with Laramie Tussle. Absolutely. So I'm glad my joke got appreciated. Yeah, Please check I out this it. podcast on 1500ESPN.com. Check them all out. iTunes, Podcast One, and SoundCloud. 95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great. Because when I want my spicy shrimp pad thai, I want it on time. Because, baby, there's no time like the present, especially when it's pad thai related. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months, $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. On time, pad time, baby. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19 2023. Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto renew at 9 dollars each month starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimum supply.